Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Soroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Soroka. Hey, the Orioles uh, can't lose today, so we get to celebrate a win for two days. They, well, they I, also scored enough runs that we won't see another run for a month. But It's kind of like they do in, in hockey and stuff. You can celebrate... A two-day non-losing streak. Not really a winning streak. A two-day non-losing streak. All right, I'll take that. Two days of non-losing. Yeah, speaking of losing uh, and losers, Bert's not here with us. Though I will say, uh, Bert's been more active on social media than I think I've ever seen him. Yes. That's good. Yes, he's been all over the Instagram. Yeah. Um, If he would be as enthusiastic with his Instagram with the show, maybe this show would go somewhere. Yeah, true. So Bert, Bert's over in Europe now, and yeah. and I, I watched his Instagram. And at first, I'm like, "Oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool." Then he posts a, a Disney picture. So even when he's in Europe, it's got to be about Disney. Mm. I actually, I, do, I haven't looked that much, but the last one I saw was Insta story of just his luggage, and I was like, "Maybe I'm missing something." But that just looks like a Instagram picture of his luggage. Yeah, I saw some picture like our luggage made it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I that's I think. I think that's a myth that luggage gets lost a lot, right? I mean, I've traveled a lot. I've never lost my luggage. I went away this weekend to Ohio for a wedding, yeah. and the best man and bridesmaid, they lost their luggage on the way to Ohio. It didn't. Like the airlines lost their yeah, luggage? the airline lost their luggage. It didn't uh-huh. make it. So I would say that's an urban myth, except that I just saw it happen this weekend. Okay. Fair enough. I stand corrected. So... so it's been a pretty, though, while, while Bert's away, it's been a pretty exciting weekend. I mean, we got the World Cup going on. We got Phil Mickelson in the in the U.S. Open. A little hitting, cheating. Doing a little cheating, doing a little mini golf, mini putt-putt move, which I right. think is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Josh, did you check out any of the U.S. Open or the World Cup action this weekend? And that's been football talk. Right, with section three six. That's about as much World Cup. Uh, I know. I know that Mexico won a big upset game, and that I guess the people the people in Mexico City jumped up enough that they set off the seismic scales. 
Is that true? Yeah, like they triggered earthquake earthquake things. Yeah. Uh, so I saw that. No, I like I said, I went to Ohio this weekend, and one thing I learned is that everything's about like half the price in Ohio. That every oh, meal, cheaper there. Every meal we went to was super cheap. Yeah, I don't think Ohio is unique in that. I think just you, you live in the state of Maryland, maybe where just everything costs more. Maybe it is Maryland. Manny and I ate out every time in, uh, and we never had a bill for any meal over nineteen dollars for two well, you, two people eating out. If you stay on the dollars menu at McDonald's, you can uh, that, that no, twenty dollars go pretty far. No, I went to uh, I went to Bob Evans, which we have here, and I know I've never had a bill under twenty bucks at Bob Evans. And then I went to some other places out there. Any IHOB? No IHOB. Okay. No IHOB. Nope. I uh, w- wasn't in the mood for burgers. Fair, fair, fair enough. Um, the the World Cup thing that cracks me up. This is not quite as bad, but my Twitter almost it's almost like capitals all over again. Where oh, yeah. my I follow only Oriole fans who only tweet about baseball. And then all of a sudden the World Cup happens and they're all soccer fans. I don't understand how exactly that, that works. But whatever. I don't I don't judge. Do you. If you want to get all into the World Cup. Here's my, here's my thing about the World Cup. Okay. A, don't. The, the soccer people are a bit snobbish when it comes to appreciating their soccer. I don't like soccer. It doesn't make me uncivilized. It doesn't make me a, uh, I, 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 I don't know, some kind of troglodyte. I can appreciate that it takes athleticism. I, I can appreciate that they're athletes. I can appreciate that worldwide it's a popular sport, the most popular sport in the world. I can right. appreciate all that. And I can say, I'll pass. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to pretend for two months to, to, to pretend to like soccer like all you like everyone else does. I'm not knocking you for doing it. I'm just not going to do it. So don't judge me when I say I'm not going to watch any of the World Cup. Right. If if my Twitter feed this weekend was a true representation of soccer fields, the DC United would not be playing in a rundown RFK stadium. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that's if you're a soccer fan, go out there and actually see some soccer games. Yeah. I, I don't like. I cannot watch soccer. If you want to play a pickup game, I'll get involved because I like running around and chasing balls. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind playing. So either. I can do that. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to sit there and watch the game, and I'm really not going to pretend to watch the game. Though now I'm w- thinking I should have wore my soccer jersey to, for, for the podcast <laughs> next week. But, I think but the again, World Cup's a few weeks. But, again, if you want to watch it and, and kind of enjoy it, and I know some, I got some friends and family who are into it, and like, by all means, go for it. I'm not going to judge you. But don't judge me for not watching at all. Like, I'm a baseball fan, okay? I get that other people think baseball is boring. Like, I used to try to defend baseball. I don't defend baseball anymore. I say, all right, you know, if it's not for you, fine, it's not for you. I like the pace of the, of the, of the game. But it's also the aspect of, like, when Manny Machado comes up to the plate. I know all about Manny Machado's history, his history uh, with the Orioles. I know about him coming up, his switch to shortstop. I know about him being, this is the final year of his deal, and, and the potential of getting traded, and all that's involved there. Like, there's a lot of backstory I have to Manny Machado, that causes me to enjoy watching him even more, right? That's why sometimes it was hard. I watched the Capitals in the playoffs, and even that was a little bit easy to get into because I knew a little bit of the backstory with with, Ovech- with Ovechkin and being choking dogs and all this stuff with the Capitals. But when it comes to soccer, like I, I, can, I can name like maybe, I, I don't know, I can't name any players 
who wait, wait, was when Mexico got the upset. I soccer. can't name you one Mexican soccer player. Um, and so it's hard for me to get invested pay, like that. But whatever, I don't know any of the. Pele. Okay, he's not he's not from Mexico, but whatever. Beckham. Uh, yeah, yeah. What what, what are you going to name the roster of two thousand World Cup the two thousand World Cup players? <laughs> I, I, no, think, you're not even up to I don't think I, I think I can, I don't think I can get a third soccer player out. Yeah, so so I'm not gonna, and and that's fine. And I think part of that the enjoyment is kind of knowing who these guys are. And I I can't just tune in once every four years and learn everyone's name. This is always my issue with the Olympics. And NBC for the Olympics does a great job of of giving you the whole backstory of all these guys to make right. you care a little bit. But I'm not going to get invested for a World Cup. There's not even the U.S. is not even there to root for. So I, I don't even know. At least with the Olympics, I I, I know to root for the guys wearing the red, white, and blue. But in soccer, I don't even know who to root for. So, no, I'm not watching you. And stop judging me. But if you want to watch it, go for it. I don't care. <laughs> and and what I don't get with the World Cup is why it can't just be part of the Olympics. Why it's its own special thing. Like, isn't it just the Olympics for soccer? Essentially, like, yeah. Like, I, why is it its own thing? Uh, I mean, I mean, I think all the Olympic sports combined – do not equal kind of the excitement that is soccer. Right? right. All right. Well, how about the corruption of FIFA? I mean, there's some major corruption there, right? I mean, it, yeah. I think I. I don't. Well, that's what, what I don't what's understand. What's more corrupt at FIFA or Major League Baseball and their international free agent signings? I, I, FIFA's more more than any organization in the world, I believe. Okay, I, I'm just saying there's a lot of shadiness go around in kind of all sports. All I know is right now we're supposed to hate FIFA and hate Russia, and the World Cup is in Russia, and my Twitter feed is filled with people celebrating. Mm, it's pointing out some hypocrisy there, huh? Right, yep. All right, before we get any further down the political stance, let's talk about some Orioles baseball. Okay. So let's talk about the recent. <laughs> Do you let's have talk- actual baseball or the Orioles organization? Yeah, Let's talk about the most recent thing that happened, and then we'll kind of work our way back through, through the week. All right. We'll talk about that Coletti here in a minute. But before we get to that, which is I have so many questions about the Ned Coletti story that I literally don't know where to begin. I have more. I have a lot of questions, no answers. But before we get there, let's talk about another thing that I think raises a lot of question marks, and that's Chancisco. So yes. Chancisco was demoted. Right. Let's just this... quick recap of the Chancisco journey this year. At the beginning of the season, there was a lot of debate. Would he make the team? Would Austin Wins make make the team? Like, would would uh, Chancisco, if he made the team, would he be a starter? Would he be a backup? But then most people thought, no, he'll probably start at Norfolk. But now, but they decided to start the season that Chancisco would make the team. And when he made the team, everyone told me he's just the backup, the backup right. catcher, the backup catcher. I said, guys, he's not the backup catcher. He's your top cat, the hidden prospect. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna play. He's the, the 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 kid's gonna play. So it turned into just like I predicted because I'm always right. It turned into a platoon situation. He would bat against the righties. The other guy, Caleb Joseph, then Austin wins. More recently, batted against the lefties. And all this is going fine, right? He's struggling offensively. Defensively, he maybe is a little better than we thought. Not great, not terrible. And this goes on for a little while. Then all of a sudden, almost out of the blue. When we're twenty and fifty, right? When the season no longer matters, the season lo- lo- no, no longer matters. We send down the twenty-three-year-old top prospect, and we call up Caleb Joseph, who was sent down. I don't know a couple of weeks ago to right. make room for Austin Wins. Right. So now our two quarterbacks, our two our two catchers. catchers I mean, we'll have the two quarterback conversation later. Yeah, our two catchers 
I don't know how. I think Austin wins is like 28. And okay. Caleb Joseph is like 30, 20, I think. 29. Okay. What's right. Caleb Joseph like? Or no, maybe 31? it's uh, 31. Probably. I think I think uh, Corbin is 29. Okay. So so you have both these kind of veteran guys who've been around as, 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 your, as your two catchers. And the young kid is sent to the minors in the season that doesn't really matter. Now, I thought, Josh, correct well, me if I'm wrong. But isn't it supposed to be the opposite at this point, where you bring up the young guys and, yes. and cut the old guys? Yes. Or, or what am I missing here? But what, here, here's what I think's going on. And and Twitter loves to hate on the Orioles for anything right now. So they're calling them out, calling the Orioles out on this. Uh, I know. And and Josh, you're a big Danduket apologist, and we defend the Orioles a lot here. But this one's hard I, to defend. I'm curious to see how how, how you're going to do this. Here's, here's how I'm going to defend this one. It's not really a defense, as in I'm going to try to make some sense of it. Okay. Francisco was brought up early for his bat. They said he wasn't that good defensively, but his bat was was at a major league caliber, so they brought him up. Meanwhile, he's batting two eighteen. He's he's struggling at the plate. They've got Chris Davis, who we'll have to get to, already taking up a bench spot for a guy who they can't put in the game, and he's not getting any better seeing major league pitching. He's Still, he's getting worse. Meanwhile, they brought up Corbin. Uh, his the month of June. Hold up, the month of June for him was better than the month of May. So one could argue that he was getting slightly better. He wasn't getting worse at the plate, but whatever. Go continue defense. All right. Um, I don't know about that fact, but I'll give that to you. But he's <laughs> all right. So he got better up to a two eighteen. Um, and here's and they got Corbin up there uh, this week. They brought him up to play a little first base. And I think they did it for the sentimental reason of Corbin and Caleb Joseph giving them the chance to play on the major league field together because this team has nothing else going for it. There's nothing marketable about this team right now. So they're doing something to make storylines with, hey, let's it's Caleb Joseph's birthday. Let's give him a chance to be on the squad with Corbin. And I think it's as simple as that. They can say Cisco's not sleeping well. Cisco's this. Cisco's been a huge disappointment as is everyone else who's wearing worn Oriole uniform this year, not named Manny Machado. And this is just to try to come out with some other storyline. Okay. Well, if we're in, if the Orioles are now in the business of doing publicity stunts, why don't we just do the whole cowboy monkey rodeo? How about we get old Seinfeld stars in there to sign autographs? I mean, how about we turn into this to a, 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 a bark in the park evening. Like, they, why don't we just turn this into a whole minor league stadium here if we're just interested in promotions Matt, and not winning baseball? Have you not been paying attention? They did this. This is what how they're about, doing this year. How about we do this like a little they, yoga, yoga in right. the freaking outfield? Is, if that's that, what we're interested in. Right. What do you think? Yoga in the outfield, uh, play catch with your dad, uh, Sandlot on the Jumbotron. What do you think these things are? They're minor league promotions that they're bringing to Baltimore. You know, can I, can I just say this for I not nothing against World Cuppers, people like the World Cup. And now I want to move on to nothing against people into yoga. I don't judge you. It's not my thing. I'm sure I would be a more flexible and relaxed person if I did yoga. Why would you want to do it thing. at the stadium? But there's something about that day. I, I forget what, what day of the week that was. Was that a Saturday or something? It was either but Saturday remember, or Sunday. We played the Marlins. Wei Yin Chen was pitching. And we lost to Wei Yin Chen who sucks, who who was okay for us, but it's gotten a lot worse. Now he has a year of like six. We lose to Wei Yin Chen, and then we all celebrate by going to the outfield and saying namaste 
kumbaya and doing freaking yoga. I thought, you know, you want to talk about what's the rock bottom? For me, watching everyone do yoga in the outfield after we lost to Wei Yin Chen and the rebuilding, the rebuilding Miami Marlins, for me, that's the bottom. That's bottom. Yeah, after losing two games to the Miami Marlins, I kind of was rooting for the sweep. Because this team, there's an, I, this team cannot have anything else. Just it's they're so bad this year, it's unbelievable. Right. Let's go for the worst team ever. All right, well, well let, let's revisit San Francisco for a second here. All right, I, I I have a number that might interest you. Oh, okay, you're gonna go with the other uh, the other angle, the play in time. No, no, you're not no. going with the the uh, uh, arbitration, and if we send them down before a certain number of days. No, and I haven't heard the math there. Uh, is there math that says if we set them down for a week, we get an extra year out of them? Yes. People, people poo-poo that. But I think that's a legitimate – that's why I said we shouldn't have called them up to begin the season. That's what didn't make sense to me. Like, you start them. This is how every other major league organization does it in baseball. You start them in the minors, and then when it's time, you call them up. Once that time – whatever time that is, so you can get an extra year, an extra year of uh, – of service time, you, you you don't bring them up and then send them down. That's just messes with the kid. Right. But the number I wanted to I wanted to bring to your attention, Josh, is you you told me about the two eighteen batting average. Yeah. And I got a, I got a, I got a number for you, Josh. It's called three forty. Three forty. Do you know what that number is, Josh? The ERA of the pitchers that he's caught. No, that's too nerdy for me. Right, three forty is his on base percentage. That's third on the team. Only Manny Machado, Danny Valencia, and then Chance Sisko, third on the team in on-base percentage. And we say it all the time, Josh. We want guys to get on base, okay. right? Like this team is too uh, power-hungry, too strikeout-heavy, well, not enough walks. Here's a guy get on the base at 340, well, third you know, on the team. You, I would argue he's one of your best hitters at this point. And know, that's sad. You know how yeah. he gets on base? You know what he's leading the team in? HBP, <laughs> whatever it hit, takes. Hit by pitch. He's got. Yeah, he's, been, he's been hit ten times, including this weekend with the Marlins. All right, is he getting on base? He's getting on base. You can't argue with the three forty uh, on base percent. That's good. Right. I mean, it's not great, but on our team, it's great, comparatively speaking. Sure. So I, I don't know why you would demote. I mean, it it doesn't. The more I think about it, at first I wasn't even mad, but now the more I think about it, the, the crazier this sounds. Like, we need to get younger. We we need to start seeing what we have for the future. We need, like, Chance Cisco to get better offensively. And so this is, the, like, remember when Nick Markakis first came up here and he batted, like, 210 for, like, three months? But we all knew this kid was going to break it at some point. Um, and now at the age of 40, Nick Markakis is finally breaking out offensively. Just took until he was 40. Uh, Chance Cisco, this is Chance Cisco's year to kind of suck at the plate, and it's okay. But I, he shouldn't be playing less. He should be playing every single day. Right. I, I, I I looked it up. He started – Chance Sisko this year started 33 games out of 70, which is fine. That's like half and half. But at this point, the season's lost. He should be playing five days a week. He should be getting the majority of the of, of the reps at catcher. I don't he's know. He's your future. Well, but then if he's your future – wouldn't you want to delay that major league start time and not waste him on a useless year like this year when you could send him down to get one more year of arbitration out of him? 
Yeah, maybe, and that's the only argument I could see here. But 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 even then, like I would want to make sure. I would rather make sure Chancisco is good at hitting ma- 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 major league pitching and has a whole year of practice hitting hitting at the major leagues. So next year he can kind of hit the ground r- running. But now if if you hold him down for however long you hold him down, then next year is going to again be his like reintroduction to major league pitching and it's going to be that period of adjustment again. I'd rather him in this lost season make all of his all his adjustments now. So next year he can just focus on uh I don't know. But he's he's a veteran at that point. He's he's been there before. Right, but he hasn't made those adjustments. And I think that's the key is they want to see a little bit more from him. Maybe Yeah, get... so play him more. Instead of just playing him thirty three games out of seventy, play him fifty out of the next seventy games. But if they send him down, he can work on whatever they want him to work on at the plate and when he's hot the Orioles love to send a guy down and when he starts to hit in the minors, bring him up. And that's what they'll do. He'll he'll be back later this year. Uh well, I think yeah, it's silly. Yeah. I, th- I think it's more indicative, though. I guess and my bigger issue is not even with the chance Cisco, because partly I'm not mad because I kind of like Caleb Joseph a lot, and so I think it's good for Caleb Joseph. I also, it's not possible, right, that they could be saying we need to get K- Caleb Joseph up here, so maybe he gets hot and he could be another trade candidate. No, I don't think anybody wants K- K- no, Caleb Joseph. No, but I think Buck likes Caleb Joseph, and I think that's okay. a big part of it. Uh, I'm curious to see how long he's down there at Norfolk. Hopefully not very long but it it points to like a bigger issue with this team where i'm trying to be really patient but at some point the team needs to get younger at some point we need to start bringing up these guys drew dosh steve wilkinson uh cedric mullins dj stewart at some point these younger guys need to get here and we need to get younger to see what we have for the future. Right. And I'm trying to be patient because I know maybe it's going to happen in July when they start to trade everybody you're, away. You're gonna have, so I'm trying to wait till then. Yeah, that's what but you got to wait for. Yeah, you got you got to wait for the trades because they want they need to play these guys. Having guys having their veterans on the bench doesn't do good for anyone. At least by having their veterans play, maybe they can trade them for crap. Yeah, I mean, I I would argue, though, like, Jace Peterson isn't getting traded for anyone. No. Uh, So why is he – like, why not bring up Drew Doge and send him down and and just cut him? I don't – at this point, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, The whole Orioles squad, it's everyone's in a waiting game now, and we're all waiting to see what happens with Manny Machado and if anyone else gets traded at that time. It's a weird period. We talk about how we're not that far off from those 14 years of losing – the difference is in those 14 years of losing, we didn't have a trade chip like Manny Machado. So those seasons were just seasons that were down the tubes and nothing you could really do about it. This season's interesting to really see how they refocus this team and build for the future. Yeah, I mean, the, the only time I can think I can remember during the rebuilding years where there was a trade chip like that was probably going back to Eric Bedard, where we got the Adam Jones and we got the Tillman. Uh, Chris Tillman and George Sherrill. Um but, I mean, certainly Man Machado is a much bigger star than Eric Bedard ever was. Right. All right. Uh, speaking of Manny Machado, the, the trade talk continues. Every week there's something new. I saw this report um, off this website called FanRag Sports. I don't even know what this is. FanRag Sports is that a legitimate website? I don't know. Uh, they generally take other people's articles and then rewrite them. Oh, okay. <laughs> something like that. That's what it always seems like to me when I go on there and check. This is it's probably true. Yeah. It's always you well, know I, I've read it in the Athletic or something, and then I go find a, a summary of it on on fan rags. Yeah, 
Um, but anyway, they said that uh, they had an article on there about Manny Machado, how he would not sign an extension after he's traded, except there's one team that he would consider signing a long-term extension right when he's traded before the end of the season. And that team was the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs? That someone okay. close to Manny Machado said he would consider re-signing during the season if he's traded to the Cubs. But that was the only team he would even consider that for. So I don't know if that means anything. I, I, I am more concerned with the Manny Machado trade with the fact that no one wants him to play shortstop. And I really think that he has devalued his trade market with insisting to play shortstop. And I think if he was the all-star gold glove third baseman that we all love and that we fell in love with, there would be a much even higher demand for him. So I'm interested to see how that plays out because there's more teams that need a third baseman right now than need a shortstop. Well, and even outside of need, if I was for another team, I think I would value Manny Machado more as a third base than I was a shortstop because I still remember last year when he was the best third baseman on the planet. And this year, he's just an okay shortstop. But exactly. I would rather him be my third baseman because when he's third base, he's the best one. Best. So I wonder if that is something that comes up when you call Dan Duquette or Brady Anderson or John Angelos, whoever anyone calls, or Lou. I don't know who I people guarantee, call nowadays. I guarantee but, it does. But at that question of, hey, how does Manny feel about moving back to third base? Right. And, and the answer is Manny doesn't want to do it. You don't think so, so? No, I don't think so. And I think that- Even if it's for a playoff contending team? No, he's Manny is all about Manny. If Manny cared about the team, he would have stayed at third base at the beginning of the season. He didn't know this season was going to go to crap. He wanted it to be his season about him being at shortstop. Manny, I'm not sure. If, I completely agree with that, but okay. Man, there was preseason when we thought this team was good. No one thought that moving Manny to shortstop would be a better move. They gave I, in. I at, no, you did not. You did not think that Manny at thir- at short and and uh, Beckham at sh- at third would be better than Beckham at short and Manny at third. I no, I did. I remember my argument. My argument was at shortstop you get more opportunities. So he have he would have a more since he's the best player on the field. That's why the best player always plays shortstop. Except that you he forced, would have more opportunities to be great. Right, but then you forced another guy to be out of position. I thought Beckham could do it. I thought anyone who can play short shortstop at second, I just feel like could could play third. And maybe it's not true. Maybe I overestimated. I, I think we Tim learned Beckham's it's not power. true. Well, I mean, I don't know because Tim Beckham played there for like three weeks before he got hurt. Well, yeah, that's how you get hurt playing out of position. Oh, shut I, up! I don't think that has anything to do with his injury, though. Nothing. Um, yeah, so I, I think it hurts him, but I honestly I don't know because clearly Machado is the number one trade best guy best. Uh, position player to hit the trade market this year and probably in many years. And I don't know what to expect from that as baseball is also shifting and not much a power game as much. I don't know. There's so much stuff in it that I don't know. I I don't know what's going on in the warehouse. I don't know what's going on with Manny Machado. So I have, there's no clue that I have any idea of what's going on as far as the Manny Machado trade. Yeah, and you're right. There's also been a shift in baseball to, I feel like, over the last couple of years to overly value young, affordable, controllable talent. Right. And Manny Machado is none of those things. He's not affordable. He's not young. He's not controllable. And so I'm curious to see if teams are 
would they be willing to part with young talent because now they seem to covet that like more than anything in the world. Right. So it's just it's a really interesting it's gonna be really interesting and to that, watch. And that's where you look at teams like Philly, the Phillies and the Braves and even the Cubs where a couple of years ago you would say, Yeah, no doubt, Manny Machado, yeah. you wanna pay whatever money that is to let him be the heart and the foundation of your team. But when the Astros won the World Series, it changed everyone's mind. Because they won with a bunch of young guys. They did it. They built up the, the draft picks themselves. And that changed everyone's mind to now there's this other question in about whether or not to get veterans and spend money and how you do it. Where to spend right. money. And, 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 and his five years of a young, pretty good player worth half a year of a great player. Right. I mean, it, it's a legitimate question. It's a, a question that, I, that the Orioles hope – the only way you get a lot back is if multiple teams kind of bid against one another to, to kind of drive up the price. And you hope that happens with Manny Machado. Right, right. Outstanding pitching, you still see a demand for. And I think you always will see a demand for outstanding, uh, above average pitching. But to have a glove and bat like Manny Machado, I don't know where that demand is right now. Baseball's shifting. Yeah, I think where you also don't see the demand anymore uh, and this is kind of interesting from the Orioles' perspective. It's I think why you can get a good deal on Alex Cobb and Andrew Kashner is there's not a, a – I feel like even a few years ago, there was a higher demand for five starting pitchers. Right Now, you want that great starter, right? If you can get a, a Bumgarner, if you can get a Scherzer, awesome. But then I feel like there's – if you're just an average pitcher or just a decent good pitcher, they're not as highly valued as they once were because the bullpens are such a strong part now. Because you just need a guy to go five innings, and then your bullpen can can take over. Yep. Uh, uh, I don't know. Again, do you think there's any chance the Orioles do this before July 31st? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't think before the All Star break. So I would say after the All Star break is when I'm really starting to start. I'm going to start to to, to pay right. attention to to the rumors a little more. I think between the All Star break and July 31st, I just don't think they can afford. This sounds ridiculous. But I don't think they can afford waiting until July 31st because I said this before. They'll mess up the paperwork. Something will go wrong. Someone will not sign off on it, and the deal won't go through. And they can't afford that. And it sounds like a silly reason, but logistically, I think they need to have this thing done, wrapped up like a week before, just so they can't mess it up at the end. Yeah, I was looking at our um, my calendar and, our, and tickets, and we have tickets to July 23rd and July 26th. Yeah. I really feel like one of those is going to be our goodbye to Manny Machado. Yeah, yeah, definitely will be full-on hashtag hug watch at that point. Yeah, that that week is is where I'd put all my money in. Yeah, a or couple I guess other especially notes. that weekend, that last weekend Yeah, as well. A, a couple other notes about Manny Machado. He, he po- I saw him uh, pregame on Sunday shaking hands with, with, with Brooks Robinson, and he said a few kind words about Brooks Robinson. Since Manny Machado has been here, and it's a little bit less significant since he moved from third base to shortstop, but still, since Manny Machado has been here, he has been nothing but respectful and kind and generous when talking about Brooks Robinson, almost to the point where, because you pointed out his character, where he is a little bit about, kind of all about him, but when it comes to Brooks Robinson, like he is... He just says all the right things, and he's so almost overly respectful, almost out of personality respectful towards Brooks Robinson, which is pretty cool to see to have him that respect for 
for the greatest third baseman ever lived. Yeah, no, that is good. That's very he is very respectful. I feel like Bryce Harper in that situation would be making comments about how he's better than than the All Star. I don't know about that. Certainly, Hall of Famer. Certainly, Bryce Harper is uh, not saying he's better than anyone at this point this year because he's having a really down year. I know, Looks like Manny Machado, just based on this year, Manny Machado might might uh, make more than Bryce Harper. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to <laughs> wait and see. He shaved his beard. The beard was holding him back. Yeah, that's going to be a fun free agency. Who's going to make more money? Uh, who will sign first and make more money, Machado or Harper? Well, and it's going to be interesting because of Machado's getting traded. Harper's not getting traded. Yeah. So Harper's going straight out in the free agency. And Machado first gets to know another organization first. Though I, I did run into this little tidbit of information. I just looked this up because I just thought about it. And and in 1988, the Orioles had their worst year. You know, they won 54 wins and 107 losses. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be a miracle if the 2018 Orioles get 54. Can, can, can get to 54 wins. Yeah. But I can we can let's stay optimistic, Birdland, and maybe we can do it. Maybe we can get to 55 wins. Just got to keep believing. Um, but anyway, halfway through that season, during, I don't know, halfway, during that season, the Orioles re-signed, during this kind of worst season in the franchise's history, the Orioles re-signed their great shortstop, Cal Ripken, when he was five years into his uh, his contract. Right. And so maybe this year, the worst year since 2018, the Orioles can re-sign their best Player, best shortstop, Manny Machado, just like they re-signed Cal Ripken. Uh, baseball's changed just saying. since then. Just saying. But I wouldn't be uh, – I'd, I'd love it if they could do it to sign like a scope-type deal, but I think we got into that last week about scope would be crazy to sign something this yeah, year. Yeah, you can't sign him. You can't trade him. You got you to sit on scope right now for the right. year he's uh, Yep. How many Orioles get traded before the deadline, Josh? All right, I'm going to say before the deadline, Machado goes – uh, we haven't gotten to it yet, but now that player's out for the year, that kills it. That yeah, Blyer, uh, that, yeah. that, that was going to be another one. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't think they're trading Blyer, but okay. Uh, see, if, if I was them, I would be offering up Givens. I don't know what you could get, and if they, they might overvalue Givens. So I'm going to go Machado. I'm going to go... Hmm... The problem is they're going to try to trade a bunch of people. But, yeah. But who would another team want? I think, again, I think Adam Jones is, an, is a possibility, but I feel like the Orioles will over, overvalue Adam Jones. Um, uh, who's in that pen? I mean, Zach Britton's getting traded. Yeah, Britton. And Britton, by the way... Right. Coming out of the gates, looking really good. And so I think, I mean, if you want to look at some optimistic things, the guys you're trying to trade, Adam Jones, Zach Britton, Manny Machado, all having pretty good years. I mean, impressive that Zach Britton would come this fast or this quickly back from injury. And Zach Britton now is playing really well. He looks good. So if I was another team, I would be all over Zach Britton. Right. He could be a game changer in the playoffs. Agreed. And so I hope we can get a good prospect for him as well. So I'm going to go with three. How many are you going with? Uh, I'll say four. Four? All right. Uh, well, we we both have Machado and Britton. Do you have specific names for number three and number four? Yeah, I think Jones is going to go. I think it's going to be – I think Birdland is going to be pissed 
because he's going to go for peanuts. I mean, we saw Andrew McCutcheon at the beginning of the season right. for a whole year got hardly anything. Well, yeah. I think Adam Jones is not going to get much at all, but we'll get a, a, a lower-end prospect for him. People will be angry, but you got to take what you can get. Cause he's I agree. Because... I agree. He's gone. And then uh, the other guy on my list, number three on my list, is I think Kevin Gaussman's gone. Okay. I think I think that's the guy. I think they've seen uh, as they've seen the ceiling of Kevin Gaussman in Baltimore. I think he could get a little bit higher with another team, but I think they realize that they've got some pitching coming up, and it's it's that time with Gaussman that now would be when we really needed him to step up, and it's too late for that. So let's pass him on. Yeah, I, I think Gosman actually it makes a little bit of sense. I know you still have a couple years after this year with him, um, but he makes sense from the standpoint of I think another team's going to look at, at Kevin Gosman and say, "Oh, all the stuff that uh, all the stuff is there." Orioles pitching coaching sucks; it right. always has. And think I could, they'll be reminded of Arietta. Yeah, and, and honestly, they're probably right. Like the the best thing yeah. that could happen to Kevin Gosman's career is is to get traded to a National League team and he'll dominate. Yeah. Um, but also that combined with Kevin Gossman kind of showing signs of being spectacular and never, though, really reaching the, that full potential. And you're right, Josh, with the younger pitching right now in, in a ball, but we'll be up here in a couple of years. And if we think we're not competitive next year, but if we're looking, if we seriously want to rebuild and look at 2020, Kevin Gossman's not going to, you're going to be heading right. on his final year of his deal. So it makes sense at this point to go younger if you don't think you're going to sign Kevin Gossman. And you can't sign everybody. I think you should focus on building the rotation around Dylan Bundy. So yeah, I think I think Kevin trading Kevin Gossman is a definite right. possibility. You've got Cobb, Cashner's back next year, so yeah. And, and honestly, there's not a lot of. I was looking at this as far as trade deadline goes. There's not a lot of great pitching available. I know uh, Degrom from the Mets, but there's not a ton of pitching. And he could be a solid three guy, a three or four guy in a rotation. He's not going to be your number one that a team's going to push for, but he could be a solid three or four. So, again, but I think Kevin Gossin's one of those things where the only reason I would be hesitant to say that he's going to be traded is because you know the Orioles, the price has to be right, especially because right. you know you have Kevin Gossin for a couple more years. So unless the price is perfect, they're not going to pull the trigger. But that, I definitely think they'll explore trading Kevin Gossin. Yeah, and that's where with this list, I think I would love to see him trade all these guys. But that's where I also get stuck up with the whole I don't know what's going on in the warehouse, and we'll get to that with Ned Coletti. But without knowing what's going on in the warehouse, I can see them screwing up any of these deals. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you can really screw up the Adam Jones deal. Like, if you don't get much back for him, that's fine, right? right. Like, he's well, the last half season of his deal. The one you can screw up is the Manny Machado, and to a lesser extent, Zach Britton. That's the ones. Those are the ones you can really. Yeah, screw the way up. you would screw up the other ones was by not doing them, and and not coming to a consistent decision in the yeah. warehouse to do it. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if they can trade someone else. Someone else being a Brad Brock, a Mark Trumbo, uh, a, I know even like Chentry was mentioned by someone. I don't know if they were serious. But like, no. or Danny Valencia. One of these borderline guys, if you can give them somewhere, I'd be curious right. to see. Pedro Alvarez. You know they're going you know to try to trade all these guys. Right. Uh, so I'd be curious if they can get a team to, to bite on someone outside of the big three, the the Jones, Britton, and Machado. Do you think someone gets traded before Manny? Do you think Manny's the big fish at the end? Oh, that's a great question. I know that the Blue Jays also are looking to trade Donaldson, which might impact like who's looking for Manny as well. And you might be able to get Josh Donaldson for a little bit cheaper than you get Manny. 
So maybe that's that guy. I'm uh, curious to see who goes first in that deal. Different positions. Hmm. <laughs> now that Manny's Debatable. not a third baseman. You don't think he'll play third base for a new team? No, I don't think he will. I, I, oh, I, but I I'm also, my fanhood of Manny has really gone downhill in the past year. Oh, really? I, I like yeah. Manny. I like, I, I, I like watching I, him my play. I don't like him as a person. I like him as a person, too. I, I, I actually think I like him more this year than I ever have. I, he does these little Instagram giveaways. I think I showed you on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave away some gloves. I saw. Yeah, I really like that. I think as long as like I'm at peace with kind of Manny's personality is about him. He likes the spotlight. He likes to focus on him. And that's just kind of who he is, though. And, like, I don't think he's being fake. I think it's just kind of who he is. And and the more I watch him, the more I realize, ah, oh, it's just kind of who he is. And I'm okay with it. Oh, I loved how he handled the thing with Boston, uh, where Boston was throwing at him, headhunting. He just hit a couple of jacks against them uh, last year, hit a couple home runs to get his revenge. He kept his cool. He didn't go all Josh Donaldson on him like he did a few years ago. And I thought this year, his own interaction with Brooks Robinson, I just, the more I, I see Manny Machado, though I prefer him at third base, the more I see Manny Machado, the more I like him and the more depressed I'm going to be when we eventually trade him. Yeah, I think I, I think with Manny Machado, I've become the curmudgeon old man. Yeah, that's annoying. That 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 is annoyed at the millennial. Yeah. So whatever, uh, fine. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Before before we get to Ned Coletti and the uh, interviews and all that, the other I guess storyline from the week, if we stay with the focus on players, is Buck finally addressed the Chris Davis situation. Let's, yeah, let's, he said uh, we're gonna we're gonna bench Chris Davis until he makes some adjustments to figure this thing out. Right, indefinitely. And definitely. We 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 don't know how long this will be, but Chris Davis has been has sat down. Um, until he makes the adjustment he needs to make. And he has been doing – there's been talk about him doing some pre-workout drills with Scott Kubal. Right. Though, again, I read the report, and this is how it always reads. And it drives me nuts that, like, it reads that Scott Kubal is out there before the start of every game. And players can choose to take advantage or not choose to take advantage. Right. And one day, okay. Davis was out there. Yeah. But, again, my whole thing is, Scott Kubal, this is your job to help struggling hitters whether they want to be helped or not. So yeah. to motivate Chris Davis to help himself is what your job is as a coach, not just sit there and wait for them to come to you and beg you to help them. But whatever, that always drives me crazy. But anyway, apparently Chris Davis is working hard. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've He's, read this article before. but uh, Chris Davis reminds me a lot of Joe Flacco because now that Lamar Jackson is getting some attention, Joe Flacco's out there saying, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have all these uh, – I'm going to have these practices on my own with the, my wide receivers. I'm on fire to do well this year. And it's like, yeah. where have you been the past five years? And it's yeah. like, okay, great. So you want to tell me again, Chris Davis is working hard now. He's not working that hard. If I was a professional league baseball player and the manager went to the press and said, this player is sitting on the bench indefinitely, I would be doing whatever I could do to fix myself and get on the field if it meant going to the minors, I would go to the minors, or I would go down to Sarasota. Davis isn't going anywhere. He's sitting on the bench during games. If I was at Camden Yards during the game, I'd be inside at the at the cage because you're not going to do any good on the bench. There is not a single situation where Buck Showalter trusts pulling Chris Davis off the bench. You know, there was that there there was that recent story with Miguel Sano. Uh, a, a a young 
third baseman for the Minnesota Twins, had a monster year. I think it was last year had the monster year. Right. Uh, as the first half of the year. Um, the year before that was a monster. He was just sent, and he agreed to it, to go to single A. He went back to single A because he was in this huge slump. That is kind of – and I think he had options, so I think it was a little bit different. But still, the the, the same applies. Like, that's what you would like to see about Chris Davis right. deal. Like, go back to single A, learn how to do this whole baseball thing again, and we'll yeah. see you in a couple months. You can you can DFA Chris Davis. No one's picking up that contract. If someone is, that's wonderful. But the, Chris Davis has nothing to be scared about for yeah. accepting a minor league uh, he, deal. He, he will clear waivers, but yeah. then he has to agree to play in the minors. So that's the part. Right. The problem is – and it's got to be that Chris Davis will not agree to play in the minors because you yeah. know the Orioles have offered it to him. Yeah, they, they, they offered him what we like to call the Hyunsoo Kim deal, and he rejected it just like Hyunsoo Kim did. I'm sure they offered him the pothole deal too. Look, you can go spend two months down in Sarasota, enjoy the nice uh, warm weather, and he's not he's not doing that. I'm sure they said – The Chris Tillman treatment. Yeah, the Chris Tillman treatment. Or, the, or they, I'm sure they offered the uh, – um, I just blanked the the outfielder who they've hit. Col- the, the Colby, Colby Rasmus, Rasmus, Rasmus treatment. They've done this with so many other players. And the fact that they cannot get Chris Davis off their bench shows me that Chris Davis will not accept one of these things. Right. Um, the, the other thing, you mentioned Joe Flacco. I think it's an interesting comparison, Lamar Jackson. I was listening to 105.7, which is a dangerous thing to do in the morning. The fan. But, the, the fan, when they have their <laughs> with Ed Norris, big, the, bad morning with Ed Norris, I, I can't listen to it just because Ed Norris. The only time it's good, I was listening the other day, yeah, and Ed you. Norris was talking about getting um, his whole history with Baltimore and getting arrested. And that was is just a fascinating story. If Ed Norris would – if they would just never talk about sports on there oh, yeah. and just talk about that stuff, it would be entertaining. I liked Ed Norris when he would call in from house arrest down in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Ed Norris I like. Yeah. Um, but 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 anyway, they, they mentioned how Joe Flacco, kind of, kind of like to your point, how now Joe Flacco feels pushed to doing all these things. And they said, you know what? They said, the people on the, on the fans said, Jerry Rice did, did not need someone behind him to push him. Joe Montana did not need someone behind him to push him. But right. I would like to remind people, no one ever said, maybe some people did with the Super Bowl run comparing it to Joe Montana, but no one ever said that Joe Flacco is a fo- the football player that Joe Montana is or the football player that Jerry Rice is. Not everyone is kind of self-motivated, can work their stuff out, just kind of this internal motivation. Some of us, like myself, are kind of lazy bums who need to be pushed every now and then oh, yeah. to get stuff done. And I think maybe Joe Flacco is one of those types of guys where if you want Joe Flacco at his best, you need someone pushing him. And I know everyone should kind of be internally motivated to be better. But spoiler alert, we're talking about human beings here. And not all of us are machines and are self-motivated like that. Maybe Chris Davis is the same deal. Like maybe it's good for him to say, hey, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I, if he's not, I don't know how he's not embarrassed already by what's already happened. But like, hey, you're now a bench warmer. This is where you are. And either go to the minors or just ride out onto the bench until you can prove to me that you can hit again. And you're not going to get any at-bats. So I don't know how you're going to prove to me you can hit again, but good luck with that, Chris. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of wish Bert was here today because I think it's hard for you and I because Sorokas are very competitive. It doesn't take yeah. much for you and I to get fired up and yeah. to try to be better than the other people around us. But I could see, but 
I, Burt doesn't always have that same drive. So for a guy like Burt, the huge contract and to be a Major League Baseball player and have a beautiful wife and some kids might be enough. Yeah. I, I, honestly, it might be enough for me too. Church yeah. League softball. Church League softball. If I had someone who was like trying to be the shortstop and I was fighting them out for shortstop, I guaranteed I, I will be I would be more focused at shortstop, make less errors, and I would probably hit the ball better because I would really try my best every single time if I had someone trying to take my position. But right. I know I could make an error. I could throw the ball over the fence and no one's going to care. And I could hit a pop-up trying to hit a home run uh, and no one's going to care because I'm still going to be shortstop. And yeah. so I think it's just human nature to want to have someone to push you to be your best. Right. I run faster if someone's chasing me. Yeah, if the cops are chasing you, Josh runs faster. Yeah, I'm not going to go with that analogy, but okay. (laughs) I feel like people have gotten in trouble with that analogy. Oh, yeah, it's true. That analogy hasn't always ended well, but I think we're okay. Somehow somehow that's a racist analogy now, but we're just saying if the cops were chasing Chris Davis, we'd be okay. He'd get a little motivation. Yeah, yeah, but the problem is, is when you make that much money, it's almost like, like you feel entitled talk about your millennials you feel entitled to start every day and to be in the fifth hole every day just because you're making that 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 kind of money and that shouldn't that shouldn't guarantee you anything in this game well and that's where that's where i'd love to know what chris davis thought process is now i would love to see a long form interview with chris davis right now when he went from that entitlement to being told no you're not playing and who knows when you'll play again i want to know how you handle that mentally yeah when uh i want a two-part prediction here when do you think you'll see chris davis in the starting lineup again uh and not just like one start but like let's say when do you think he'll start back-to-back games uh and b when we see him again will we recognize the batting stance or do you think he'll make some significant changes outward changes like in his stance that uh we won't we might not even recognize uh I think he finally bunts. When you we... think you think all of this stuff being benched, all this adjustments <laughs> every day in the bag cage, he's just working on bunting, and that's going to be the big reveal. No. Chris Davis is back, and he's like a, a super bunter. No, <laughs> no, I'm, I think we see Chris Davis play back-to-back games in August. I think he's out until after the trade deadline. And then I don't even know what I don't I don't know what you do with him really. You you, you play him. I mean I mean I think yeah, I, I think Kobe Rasmus might be on this team before Chris Davis plays back to back games. Okay, I think it's going to happen sooner, sooner than later. I think Buck Showalter likes these guys too much, and he's gonna he's doing this to kind of hopefully light a spark into Chris Davis. But I would expect uh, I would expect by the end of the month. At the end of June, I think it's going to happen before July. I think the like the last weekend in June, uh, the last couple of days of June, June, let's say June 29th, June 30th, he plays back to back. But I do think we're going to see a significant change in his stance. I don't know if he'll be any more effective, but I think we're going to see him try something new. I think, uh, gonna, I think after this whole incident, I think he's going to be trying to finally hit opposite. Is what I truly think. Yeah. All right, a couple other kind of random notes going on. Um, we mentioned him a minute ago in passing, but Chris Tillman is going to make his uh, his first start in a while on Wednesday in the minors. So, uh, Josh, any expectations here for Chris Tillman? 
Um, uh, first of all, did you know he was still on the team? It was kind of news to me when I read that. Yeah, I'm uh, still on the baseball team. I, I, hasn't been cut yet. I knew he was still on the team. I maybe they bring him up when after they trade Kevin Gosman to fill mm. a hole. Because mm. I don't think you're gonna get you're not gonna get Tillman up and like pitching at a level that you can trade Tillman. Because ideally yeah. that's what they'd want to do, but he's crap. Yeah, and this is not a kind of a rehab. It is a rehab start. But it's also like you're not coming up. It's not just like two rehabs in your back. No, like we're not is... trying to do some rehab to get to the bottom. This is like you need to learn how to pitch. You need to have some success in the minors before we even consider bringing you back up to Baltimore. This is, no, this is we've appreciated you and what you've done for Baltimore and as part of this organization. So we're going to help you rehab so that you can go into free agency. Yeah, I don't think we see him make another start from Baltimore. I think he's done in Baltimore. Um, maybe with expanded rosters, they might give him another shot. Because it doesn't see, mean anything. I think there's too many young players to get a, a shot over him. Um, the other thing is Beckham, uh, Tim Beckham, been playing, I think, at Bowie the past week. But he's expected to make his return on Saturday. I think something that's been lost in this season is how significant a loss is Tim Beckham. And Tim Beckham still has a couple more years on a contract. So right. he's a guy for the future. Maybe future shortstop. Maybe future third baseman. But you kind of have to figure out and find a spot for Tim Beckham because I think he can be a good player for us. Yeah, I think Beckham does come back up here. And I think that we got excited about Beckham last year. We didn't see enough of Beckham this year. I think when Manny Machado gets traded, Beckham moves back to shortstop. And that's where it's really going to be the month of August and end of July of let's see Beckham. Can he be our shortstop for the next three years? Yeah. Um. All right, that, that's kind of all the news and notes. Can, can, can we get to this whole Ned Coletti story? Sure. We've teased, we've teased this non-story about three times. Well, I mean, might as well talk about it. It's, it's bigger than Ned Coletti. Ned Coletti is the name that's out there. But what's really going on is that the Orioles are interviewing candidates for uh, basically for Dan Duquette's job. So is that have- what it is? Because, first of all, they never admitted there was an interview. If there was, no one ever announced what it was, what position it was for. We don't even know who did the interview. We know none of this stuff. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah, that was it was some type of baseball operations position. The Orioles did this uh, years ago when in two thousand seven when, when Jim Duquette, Duquette, yeah when Jim Duquette was here. So yeah, they've, they've, they hired Andy right. So they've hired behind the Duquettes back before. Yeah, I don't think the Twitter was quite as big then, but yeah, right, right. So. Um, I think it's interesting. I think it takes away from me wanting them to keep Dan Duquette. I think it shows that I don't think they're keeping Dan Duquette. Yeah. It makes me wonder if they are nervous about Dan Duquette handling the Manny Machado trade. What do you mean by they? Uh, that's a good question. Because <laughs> is it Brady Anderson? Is it Peter Angelos? Is it Lou Anderson? Is it John Angelos? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I would just say if the higher up money people are concerned about how, about Dan Duquette handling this, that they could bring in a guy to say, to be a director of baseball operations over Dan Duquette to help Dan Duquette handle this and then take Dan Duquette's job. It's really interesting because we all kind of just assume that, kind of assume that either they both, Dan Duquette and Buck would both resign or... Buck would move into Dan's job, or Brady would move into Dan's job. But this team is so bad this year that everything's out the window. Like, I don't know if you can trust 
move after a season where he might be lucky to get 50 wins, can you take that manager and put him in the front office? I don't know. So I don't know what that means for Buck. I don't know what that means for Dan, for Brady. I mean, I think it means Dan's gone, I guess. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really an interesting dilemma here because on the one hand, do you want Dan Duquette here to make these trades where he has a good track record of making trades? But on the other hand, you might say if the if you're going to eventually move away from Dan Duquette at the end of the season, so part of you might say, okay, let's bring in someone new who can then acquire all these young players because the new GM is going to be stuck with all these young players. So you would think the new GM would want to get guys he likes in these trades, in these deals. So it's just it's interesting on, on, on that level. Um, yeah, I don't – like there's a lot of questions here. Dan Duquette denied it that the interview even happened. But, of course, if Dan Duquette, if it happened, it's highly possible that Dan Duquette was not informed about it. So, I, he, Right, I, he wouldn't be part of it. Right, and not even – though I think it's kind of messed up from just an organizational standpoint. From just an employer-employee standpoint, it's kind of messed up to interview for the position for someone and not tell them that you're doing that. I think that's kind of a little bit messed up. Um, but the Orioles have done a lot of shady stuff like not return phone calls and not treat people with respect in the past. So it's nothing too surprising among the Orioles, for the Orioles. I'm also kind of interested in the name Ned Coletti. I don't know much about the guy. He's, we know and, he's from the Dodgers, and we know the way that he built the team in the Dodgers is by spending money, not by draft picks. Yeah, and that was going to be my next point. He seems to be a, an old-school guy. Um, and so a lot of people have been criticizing the even the suggestion because this is the time to get a new guy, a sabermetrics guy. Um, not another old GM who does things kind of the old-fashioned way. Now, I would argue Dan Duquette, people link him with the old guard because he's been around a long time. But a lot of, but Dan Duquette is kind of, he does incorporate and use sabermetrics. Yeah. And at this point, it's freaking 2018. I think this is overblown a little bit. It's 2018. Everyone uses sabermetrics. The, the athletics are not the only team who has access to this treasure trove, treasure trove of data about players. All organizations have a, a, a sabermetric, a sabermetrician kind of staff, and they all incorporate this in decision making. It's just a matter of degrees. And certainly, would like it seems like the trend and the more successful teams incorporate the sabermetrics more than other teams do. So you would like, but I, I don't think that means you have to hire a guy who's under the age of thirty to be your GM. I don't think that's what it means. Right. But I I think that has to be part of the plan. Um, so and that's and I don't know the, right and that's the GM isn't the sabermetrics guy it's the it's the organization having those that squad of Harvard level uh, number guys and nerds in the closet somewhere in the warehouse that can come and and present this stuff to whoever the GM is and say I know this is the guy who you think is the best third baseman based on your eye test but the computers are saying this do what do what you want with that. Yeah, and there was a recent article, not a, about a month ago, from John Mioli about the signing of Zach Lothar, who's, who's kind of just torn through the minor leagues as a pitcher for us. Zach Lothar, you should look him up if you don't know who he is. But he's striking everybody, and his fastball is like 92 miles per hour. And and the Sabre, the, I guess kind of the advanced stats, let's call it, showed that his release point was closer to, 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 to the mound than other pitchers, so the ball looks like it was coming in faster. And so that's, that's an area where kind of the nerds all said, hey – you need to drop this guy because 
these strikeout totals um, don't let the 92 miles per hour fool you because these are advanced stats saying he's actually doing this other thing really well. And they took Zach Lothar. So, I mean, they're listening. The Orioles now are listening to the same attritions. Right. Um, and, they're, and they're taking all these advanced stats into consideration when they make moves, contrary to what people say on Facebook. They do have a sabermetrics department. And they, they do influence the, the moves that the Orioles do make. Right, it's important to remember that there's a whole team at that warehouse. It's not Dan Duquette answering every phone call and making every move. He might get, yeah. well, in a normal organization, he would get final say. In this organization, I guess he, I think he gets like second or third to final say. Yeah, I think he has like maybe twenty percent sway. I think, I think he Brady gets, has has forty, and uh, Peter right. has sixty. I don't know how that. I kind of feel like shorts. I kind of feel like Dan Duquette makes a decision. He presents it to Peter Angelos. Peter Angelos asks Brady what he thinks and then goes with whatever Brady thinks and Peter relays it back to Dan. To, and it goes something like that, in my mind. Yeah, little but little game of telephone. But no, but no one knows, really. Right. And how, and how could that passing around screw up the Manny Machado trade? Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, I know we're running out of show time, but I wanted to make this point, not related to anything else we've been talking about, except for... I guess this has to do with management and stuff. Um, I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter recently and just talking to fans about the lack of international signing for the Orioles. The Orioles don't dabble in international free agency. July 2nd is the international signing day. So July 2nd, you'll see a lot of these big guys come off the board. And of course, I mean, of course the Orioles will kind of sit this one out. Right, and no. we've criticized we've criticized the Orioles for this in the past. Like we wish the Orioles would get more involved in international signings. Um, I saw someone even tweeted that that Peter Angelos was somehow racist for not doing the international free agent signing. And and what I would always want to what I all I want the Orioles to do, and I would be I would be okay. I would be okay with them not signing international free agents if they just came out and said we think the whole way that Major League Baseball handles this international signing is shady and corrupt and we don't want any part of it because you have kind of these 15 year old boys well, going they, in these camps to be taken advantage of and we don't want to incorporate ourselves with any of this stuff so we're not going to participate in it i would be okay but they never even have gone out and expressed why they don't support and why they don't invest in international free agency and so that's been kind of frustrating for fans right right but just to set the record straight because I think somehow there's this notion that the Orioles don't like foreign players or that they, they only want um, <laughs> these uh, these Americans, these Americans. And I think, like, even calling him racist is not accurate. Maybe they think that Peter Angelos is xenophobic, right? They don't want outsiders on the organization. They just want Americans. But let me get, let me just take a minute. How many players do you think we have in our minors from other countries? Um, you any guesses? Well, I know we got Austin Wells from Australia. I think he's the Alex Australian Wells. guy. Alex Wells, yeah. yeah. So, uh, all right. I don't know. Good amount, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm going to take a minute and read them all. So just give me a second. Right. I, I just looked at single A. So this is looking at Aberdeen, Ironbirds, go Ironbirds, the Damarva, go Shorebirds, and Frederick, uh, go Keys. Here are the list of the names from other countries. And I'm not including Puerto Rico because I think if you're Puerto Rican, you get drafted um, because I don't know. I don't know how that works, but I'm not including them on the sure, sure on the let's start with the Ironbirds. It's, it's probably because it's a U.S. territory. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for the Iron Birds, you have Diagnes. I'm going to butcher all these names, but just bear with me. Alamengo. You have Jose Diaz. That's two. from. They're both from Dominican Republic. You have Hector Guantz from Dominican Republic. Luis Perez from the Dominican Republic. Alfredo Gonzalez from Venezuela. Guyan Chu from China. And then on the Shorebirds, you have Daryl Alvarez from Cuba. Uh, Jean Paluto, P- Palufo from Colombia. Jean Canilo from Panama. Alexi Tolls from Puerto Rico. Oh, I'm sorry, he's from Puerto Rico. I don't count him. But from the Keys, you have Christian Alfardo from Venezuela. Elvis Arujo from Venezuela. Francisco Jimenez from the Dominican Republic. Um, Alfalki Perata from the Dominican Republic. Isaac Silva from the Dominican Republic. Alex Wells, like you mentioned, from Australia. Uh, Alexander de la Cruz from the DR. Daniel Ferrado from Venezuela. Johan Cuevado from Venezuela. Uh, Omar Reyes from Dominican Republic. Uh, and, uh, and, and so that's, and I just, to be honest, I just did some name profiling. And I chose the names that looked Latino. So I just read, I just, and I looked up where they came from. So I could have missed some. Right. But even that, just on the keys one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven keys players come from outside of America. And I just read a bunch of Shorebirds players, a bunch of Ironbirds players. So this notion that the Orioles only hire and only have American born players on their team is just nonsense. It's just not true. It's a bunch of fooey. Now, what is true? is we don't sign the top international free agents. So we don't spend millions of dollars in scouting and millions of dollars to sign the top international free agents. But it doesn't mean that our baseball teams consist of no foreign players. That's not true. That's a myth. That's hashtag fake news. We got a lot of foreign players in our minors. And I didn't go into Bowie and Norfolk just because I ran out of time. Just looking up those names. For the right, started. right. Now we've got foreign players. We just don't participate in the draft. Well, and there's no, there's no draft in the signings. In the signings, yeah, that's what I mean. In the whatever the big international signings. Top guys. Yeah, and and again, maybe for good reasons. I don't know, but there's a lot of foreign players in our minors. That's all I'm saying. Half our organization, or probably a good quarter of our organization, is from the Dominican Republic uh, and from other Latin American countries. So. Uh, stop this notion that we don't ever hire foreign players. That's just not true. Anyway, uh, I just want to mention that because I was just thinking about it today because there was all these comments about the July 2nd International Signing Day. And yeah, Orioles won't be mentioned in signing one of the top international free agents. But it doesn't mean we're opposed to having foreign players on our team. No, and I'm sure the Orioles will trade some international slot money to get something during that time. Yeah, I don't know how much we have left. I think we've already traded a bunch away. Uh, and, like, sometimes we trade it. Like, I think we traded for Jeffrey Ramirez. And Jeffrey Ramirez is the foreign-born player that we just traded our slot money for. So I think it's it's deeper than this. It's like we don't, for whatever reason, whether we don't want to spend scouting there or uh, something else is going on there that we right. just don't want to participate in that in that side of things. Anyway. Uh, your prediction for this week for the Orioles, Josh? Uh, playing the Nats. Some natitude here. Let's see. The rivalry uh, is back. Orioles Nets. Yeah, uh, and it's in Washington this time, right? Adam. Right now, I didn't even. You know, I didn't even get my phone call. Normally, I get a nice little phone call or email with offered those nice tickets. They play this week. They play the Nationals and the Braves. 
I'm going to say okay. the Orioles win two games. Two of okay. those six. The Braves is one team that have been not heavily linked, but a little bit linked to Manny Machado. So maybe a little bit of a tryout for Manny Machado. It's in Atlanta. And I'll tell you what, the Nationals could always use Zach Britton because their bullpen is always two. But yeah. the this is an important series because the for the Nationals because they've been struggling a little bit. Atlanta's playing really well. Uh, the Nationals this is a big series for them. Right. You yeah, I, I. You think the Orioles get any wins this week? Yeah, I think we start to turn it around. I saw that box score on Sunday when we scored like ten runs. Yeah, and I was like. I, I don't understand why we don't do that every day. Like, Adam Jones had a good game. Um, Mark Trumbo had a good game. Like, it, it just seemed like this is what we should be doing every game. Like, the 10 runs don't don't surprise me. Every time we score one or zero, that always surprises me. So, yeah, I think this week they're going to turn it around. Uh, the Nationals' offense sucks right now. Bryce Harper sucks. So, right. we're going to take it to the Nets. I say we win four games this week. Four games. We're gonna turn, yeah, we're going to turn around. I mean, they win four games every week. That'll uh, really help them out in the standings. I, I'm not going that far. Uh, I just think they're uh, going to. There's the offense going to turn 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 around a little bit. We just we can't be this bad all year long. I don't believe it, and I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. I don't think we're going to finish 92 games. 92 games left. I think we're going to lose 100 games. Still, I think we'll lose 100 games. But I I think at some point we'll go on a nice little streak. We'll we'll win half the games that we play over the course of 10 days. I think over the course of the next 10 days, we could win half the games. Let's go O's. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. You got anything else for the good of the cause, Josh? I got nothing else. Oh, Ned the Yards tickets. We got one left. One left. One ticket left. Is that true? Yeah, and I look to get more today. And all there right. are... Uh, no, section 336 is sold out. So All we've right. got one ticket for Night at the Yard. If you still want to get tickets with us, I can get you some tickets in another section if you want some help to uh, be part of our group or whatever. Did, did you get my wife a ticket? Yes. There's no okay. tickets left. <laughs> no, uh, did you? That's going to be my son's first game of his, of his life. Oh, is it really? Yeah, we're going to bring him. We're going to bring Silas for his first Orioles game. I thought about hiding him and never taking him to Orioles game until the Orioles were good, but I just can't do that. All so right. we're going to take him to his first game well, I'll on make a, Night of the Yards. I'll make a phone call after the show where you're either sold out or we have one ticket left. All right. I, I'll put a, I have a little mini bag to put over his head. All uh, right, good. I, uh, are you, he, he just gets a normal lunch paper bag to put over his head. You, now, you said, head. you said you're bringing bags for everyone. Yeah. I got to go to Trader Joe's. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Section336Show. Go to iTunes and write us a review. It helps us out. We really appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Section336. And for all Josh's hash uh, hot takes and his defense of the Orioles, you can follow him on Twitter at Josh Soroka. Don't think I've been defensive lately. All right, I'm just saying I want to check your checks to make sure that they don't come from Masson. At first, there'd have to be some type of check that came in the mail. Uh, fair enough. All right, boys and girls, thanks for listening. And as always, go O's. <laughs>